everyone, and welcome back to The Extras. My name is Jack. And I'm Sam. And we are very excited to be back for another week of The Extras, where we get to wrestle the questions that you, Epson Pauls, have texted into our, to our line across Sunday. Mm. We're looking at the book of Ecclesiastes. We are thinking hard about work, thinking about uh, our world and how it works, and knowing that it's all going to end for us one day. Lots mm. of big picture questions that we're going to get into today. And something a bit of a historic moment for us, Sam, in the history of the extras, because this is the the last time you and I will be doing the podcast together. Yeah, it is last time together. We've done many, many of these, Jack, many hours of doing sitting <laughs> here in this very space and talking theology together, which has been great. Yeah, it's been a, a big heart of me and my time at St. Paul. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, a, a sad moment, but also, yeah, we've been reflecting a bit on the, yeah, the, the years of doing that. It's been good. And we hope it's been helpful for all of you listening in. Mm. Uh, as we get into that, uh, well, I mean, the extras will go on. The extras is, is bigger than just one man or woman. Um, so looking forward to what the future holds for question time with St. Paul's. But for today, we get into Ecclesiastes 2. Yeah, let's do it. We've got right. lots of good questions here. So That's yeah. right. Uh, give us a quick recap. So yeah. um, big picture, big idea, what we were looking at. Yeah, we were sort of, um, we dived back into the middle of chapter two, which is really the sort of sum up of the, the teacher's experiment when he goes to try out everything and he's mm. like, let me build some stuff, let me make some stuff, let me do some stuff, experience some stuff. And uh, then he realizes I'm going to die. Um, and that causes him to sort of spiral a bit into despair, uh, realizing that whatever he's built or made or worked for um, is going to be passed on to another. And uh, he, uh, and that, that, is, is grievous mm. um, to him and uh, it gets him reflecting on the nature of work and is it worth it uh, and so we were talking about work in the face of death um, and uh, I talked about the paradox of, uh, of Genesis that uh, Genesis 1 and Genesis 3 uh, that, yeah. that kind of rolls right through Ecclesiastes that on the one hand there is some good in work and it's worth doing uh, but Genesis 3 the curse of God's judgment and death means that it, nothing will last forever and that's sort of where the teacher is stuck uh, but we we also then rejoice that as New Testament believers, because of the resurrection, um, that problem of death has actually been undone, which also means our work is um, transformed. No longer is it just um, a, a meaningless work under the sun. There's actually work for the Lord, doing what we do in um, as if serving the Lord Jesus, and also doing the work of the Lord, mm. um, the uh, the kingdom building work of. Uh, of uh, seeing people come to know and uh, trust the Lord Jesus. Yeah, so it's already stacks there. Just in your recap, there's already it's a big of... <laughs> it's a big night, big day. Yeah, yeah, it's been great. Um, and I think a lot of people wrestling with how do we put all those pieces together and where do we, you know, find the balance and how do we navigate the tensions of all those different things thrown together. So yeah. lots of questions to help us wrestle through different parts of that. Mm. Looking forward to it. Um, before some of those questions, we have a few really getting into the, the detail uh, of the text and yep. we'll, we'll rip through those first. Yeah, let's do it. So one person's asked, I'm a bit curious about the Hebrew translations at St. Paul's. Mm -hmm. At other places I've heard that meaningless word translated as hevel uh, with, a, with a V, V for victory. Sam tonight said hevel, V for Barry. Also, Raj, last week translated the teacher as Kohelet. Other places I've heard it translated as Koheleth. Mm. Yeah, what's going on? Yeah, great. Um, I think I did say Hevel, and I, uh, that's that's sort of uh, that, that is I think the pronunciation of that word. Uh, the trick is that the the um, Hebrew letter in the middle of that word is um, the character Beit, which. Uh, can be pronounced with a B or a V, depending on a few different things. The pointing of it is the is the technical kind of language uh, there, mm. um, and so you'll see it written as. Uh, so you would have seen it on my slide, H E B E L, um, and that's correct. Mm. Um, the pronunciation of it is H E V E L, even though yeah. So that's just one of the little quirks of, of Hebrew consonants. Uh, yeah. Likewise, in the Kohelet one. Um, there's a bit of dispute over whether that's T or TH. It is. I think I would say it as TH in, my, in the way I was taught to pronounce it, but it's a dead language, and so it's pretty tricky. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, whether, yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to go back and ask someone who, uh, yeah, who was there. That's right, yeah. <laughs> Hebrew pronunciation. You're really getting into the, um, the big theologically significant things straight away. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that is to say, like, it is interesting. I mean, as a yeah. Hebrew nerd myself, it's interesting. Um, yeah. But, yeah, you'll be relieved to know it doesn't really matter much either way. Yeah, that's cool. right. That's right. Moving right along. Yep. Next one. Someone says, 
toil equals paid work why is this the automatic conclusion uh, and not all work including house and yard work or doing work with the family mm, yeah. what is work yeah thank you I'm not sure I made that um, connection I, I tried to go to at length on Sunday to include all kinds of our, our um, efforts and labours under the under the heading of work and toil so um, to clarify this this probably was a question that came in directed towards Raj's sermon Raj didn't yeah, make that same explicit yeah um, right although I think he'd agree with you but yeah. Um, yeah, you did make the point yeah and I think the sentiment is right mm. I think I think um, labor and work and toil, in in at least from a biblical point of view, um, it, sure, yes, it includes your paid work. Um, I don't think it's limited to that. Mm. I think um, the same things are true of uh, of doing the gardening or folding the clothes or yeah. looking after the kids or whatever it is that you do in an unpaid capacity. Um, yeah, I think it yeah. all, all is swept under that banner. Because that's where work starts in the Bible, right? It begins Genesis 2. Like the man yeah. made to work and cultivate the ground. You that's know, right. Gardening is the first work. Like yeah, we yeah. think of that as this allegedly pastime but you know in the history of the bible that's where work begins yeah. that's right that's right yeah yep well said um now someone's picked up on these words in verse 21 of our passage uh, a person may labor with wisdom knowledge and skill uh and then they must leave all that they own to another who hasn't toiled for it mm. someone's asked why is wisdom and knowledge and skill are chasing after the wind particularly those things sound like Good things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's interesting uh, that they're, they're mentioned here, and, and uh, they're actually also mentioned in, in the prior section. If you if you go, back, we didn't spend a lot of time on this uh, over the last uh, week, but if you look at the section from verse twelve through to verse sixteen, um, after his great exploration of pleasure and enjoyment, he actually then goes, well, maybe maybe the issue is maybe the thing that will help me find something that lasts is to explore wisdom. Maybe mm. that's the answer. Become a sage, a guru, a, you know, that kind of guy. That, they've got the answers, right? Um, and what he realized is, verse 13, he says, I see that wisdom is better than folly, just as light's better than darkness. At least the wise have eyes in their heads uh, while the fool walks around in the darkness. So there's something now, it's mm. better to be wise than an idiot. But I came to realize that the same fate overtakes them both. And then I said to myself, the fate of the fool will overtake me also. What do I gain by being wise? And I saw to myself, this too is hevel. This mm. is fleeting. Um, for the wise like the fool will not be long uh, remembered. Uh, the days have already come when both have been forgotten. Like the fool, the wise too must die. Yeah. So I think that's, that's part of what he... Uh, realizes it is better to, while you're alive to be a wise person, mm. um, but it's not going to get you anywhere eternally. Um, so it's it's fleeting. Yeah, and I mean this is one of the things that, as you see in the questions that will follow, I think that one of the things we find hard to grasp is, I think we bring a bit of an all or nothing thing to lots of things in life, but this particularly, like if it's not lasting, then it just doesn't matter. Why should I care? And like Ecclesiastes, he's kind of saying these complex layers of things, like you know, in this created order, like of course it's better to be wise than foolish. Yeah. But you're both going to die. Like that's right. How do you hold all that together? Like, yeah, we'll keep going. Yeah. Yep. Um, someone's asked, "What's the best way to interpret verse 26?" Let me read it. Uh, so this is talking about well, another place where you see the better. Um, he's just said in verse 24, "A person can do nothing better than eat and drink and find satisfaction." Uh, verse 26: To the person who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. And we had a couple people, people, people texting, particularly about that last phrase. What does it mean that the sinner has to hand it over to mm. the one who pleases God? It's a tricky little phrase. Um, short answer is I'm, I'm not 100% sure, to be honest. One of the ways to know what the, what the preacher um, is, is confident on is, is, is what they talk about a lot. And what they're not sure on is probably the stuff they don't talk a lot about. So we've caught um, you out. You've, and that's okay. Like I, I don't claim... Yeah. Um, I, 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 I want to be the first to admit that Ecclesiastes is a very challenging and tricky book to make sense of um and there's some really tricky ideas i think mm. this is one of them um what i think is clear here is that the task given to the sinner is that of gathering and storing up wealth and i i, I take it there he's saying that that's the person who doesn't please god is the one who has the gain mentality i'm mm. here to i'm here to collect stuff for myself and that's actually part of god's punishment to them that he allows them to live in that way because what will happen to them is they will end up frustrated as opposed to the one who pleases God who's not concerned with that task and they don't, they're not burdened by that impossible task of getting ahead. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's clear. Uh, what does it mean that they'll die and leave it to the one who does please God? Um, here I'm not 100% sure. My best read on it, I, I read a few of the different commentaries. I, I think it's um, Ecclesiastes is written, it's, it's um, Jewish wisdom, um, written within the context of those who saw the, the land, uh, a land flowing with milk and honey as um, part of God's um, blessing upon them as his special people. 
and they are not the people who who toil and chase after things they're the ones who receive it as a gift from God's hand mm. and I think part of it is what's going on here is that actually God has just given them graciously all this stuff um, as the, the, and driven out the nations who displeased him and, and actually were the graspers if that kind of yeah um, now yeah it's tricky I, I don't think I've got much more to say than that um, I do hope that's sort of helpful. Yeah, and we'd love to hear what you think. If you yeah. have, have thought about it more and have a suggestion, let us know. We're, we're keen to keep wrestling with it together. Yeah, there are yeah. definitely parts that are tricky. Yeah. I will second that. Yeah. We'll move on for now. So, thinking a bit more big picture, a few people helping us think, yeah, as we come to this point in Ecclesiastes, yeah, seeing the end of the experiment, you know, we've, we've been in this heavily fleeting world for a bit. Mm. Someone said, the sermons on Ecclesiastes seem a bit depressing. I feel the book is freeing. Stops us having FOMO, the fear of missing out. Yeah. Well, I guess there's no question mark. It's a comment, but um, mm. yeah. What do you make of that? Are we meant to be depressed or be liberated? Yes. <laughs> Bit of both. I, yeah. Yeah, I fully agree that there is a great liberation in Ecclesiastes, and it does liberate you from this fear of missing out and from this um, anxious striving and grasping accumulation that um, so much of our, our society and our world. Um, uh, burdens itself with that that the person who's heard the, the musings of the teacher and taken his wisdom on board is freed from that. I, I wholly mm. agree. However, the, the the manner in which the teacher frees us from that is by bringing us face to face with our death mm. um, and with the the fleeting nature of life and of the impossibility of making any lasting change in this creation that just goes on as it always has mm. um, and. Um, the teacher himself goes on a pretty emotional journey, and in tonight's uh, tonight's what I'm talking about last weekend's um, uh, passage, he, he he's quite um, sad. He says, verse seventeen, I hated life. Um, verse eighteen, I hated all the things I toiled for, and then uh, verse twenty, so my heart began to despair. Um, there is very emotive mm. language here, and he's not fling, f- sort of running away from the fact that coming to this point of realization that nothing you do will make a lasting difference about anything is actually there's some emotion in that and uh and that's okay and then he realizes once you've come on that emotional journey well then the best thing you can do is just receive life for what it is which is the gracious gift of god and Mm. enjoy it while it lasts um and and there is so there is that's a freeing thought but you have to go through the emotional roller coaster of that uh, in order to be freed yeah, and I think it's, there's a version of the kind of liberation idea which is basically just lands you in a kind of hedonism, I guess. Like, well, mm. if it's not permanent, then just eat, drink, and be merry. Yes. Tomorrow we die. Okay, I'm just going to yep. make the most of all I can and, mm. you know, cafe diem, seize the day. Um, yep. There's that kind of vibe. Yeah. And if you have that without the, the sobering mm. kind of frustration, like you miss something as well. I think um, you do. And where we're going to land this week, just to give you a little taster for chapter three, is um, the piece that's missing from the Carpe Diem, just go and uh, seize the day. That's half true for Ecclesiastes, I mm. think. You should seize the day as a Christian and yeah. you should enjoy the world as God has made it. Um, but you do it in full knowledge that um, that judgment is coming. Yeah. And that's where chapter three is going to help us really carefully that God, um, so, so verse chapter 3, verse 17 is coming this week. Mm. God will bring into judgment both the righteous and the wicked. There will be a time for every activity, a time to judge every deed. So yeah. seize the day knowing that God is judge. Mm. So that that is the key part. Yeah. Yeah. And the other part of that, I was going to angle towards it, I guess chapter 3 as well. I mean, the other thing you see is God's put eternity in the human heart. Mm. Like we're, we're ma- whatever that means. You can tell us what that means on Sunday. <laughs> Get ready. Um, but, you know, to preempt that, um, tell me if I'm wrong, like like we're, we're made for something bigger. Like we're, yeah. we're made for eternity and we're in a world where we die. And that is meant to be frustrating. Like yes. that's not an accident. God has, what a heavy burden God has placed on mankind. He said right. in chapter 1. Like yep. it's meant to be, yeah, there's a, there's a frustration that's been deliberately imposed because we're made for something that we don't get to taste yet. Like, yep. Yep. And I think too, while we've been talking uh, around death, death is also, and we're going to get to this in chapter 11, just stay tuned for a few more weeks, but the book really finishes with what I call um, the, the, the tragic symphony or the tragic overture. What's the end of a symphony? Is that an overture? Or is that the, overture is the start? Under, underture maybe? Underture. I, I'm not end an bit. <laughs> Some music person will know what I'm talking about here. Yeah. But the end, the final refrain is this slow and sad description of the kind of slow burn end of a human life mm. you know it talks about the cutting of the silver cord and the the 
the breaking of the golden bowl and uh, just it's it's a tragic end to and it, it almost reads a little bit like watching a person age and die yeah um, and uh, yeah we are we are meant to feel the the horror of death in God's creation mm. that here is something that should not be yeah um, so it should make us sad yeah that's right so complex feelings like it's not meant to be a simplistic thing no um, let's keep going so on the, sort of on the flip side of this um, someone's asked a very kind of blunt question. Um, if everything's meaningless, does that mean Ecclesiastes is telling me to kill myself? Uh, n- no. Um, definitely not. Uh, remember the word meaningless is not so much caught, caught up with... the. I actually think the word meaningless in, in the NIV translation is a little unhelpful, to be, to be frank. Um, I would much prefer that it, they use the word fleeting, mm. temporary passing um elusive elusive yeah. yeah that that's that's the word ephemeral um whereas uh they use the word meaning and i think for uh, meaningless for us that captures up this kind of existential meaning kind mm. of idea um and that's not the idea i think the idea is um, life is not going to last forever is, yeah. is the teacher's point so how do i think about the temporary nature of my life mm. um and he, his two reflections were see it as a gift from god and know that it won't last forever um, that doesn't mean, therefore, that you cut it short. Uh, absolutely not. Um, and, and I think I'd want to say to someone who, who's asking that kind of question, um, uh, are you okay? Um, mm. Is there somebody that you need to, to talk to, perhaps a friend, um, see a GP? Um, I, I, you may, maybe this is more of an academic question, but maybe it's not. Maybe yeah. this is a, a personal thing. Please don't hear the teacher saying... Um, it's meaningless in an existential sense, um, so therefore, you know, there's no point to it all. Yeah, I think it could be really hard. Like, if you're already having those kinds of thoughts yourself, and then you hear the Bible saying, "Oh, yeah, actually, life is really pointless." Like, Absolutely. Yeah, please don't hear that. That's um, yeah. the only thing that. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. And go back and listen to the second half of the talk, which was all about um, with the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. There's um, there's great reasons to work for the Lord and do the work of the Lord. Yeah. Well yeah. Said. Now, someone's asked, how does, you know, everything's temporary factor into our church life, re the focuses we have on growth and building? Uh, should we bother with ministry, giving, or even building buildings? Yeah. Um, thanks for the question. Um, I, th- I think the, the answer is, well, um, the one thing that the Scriptures tell us is not in vain is, is the work of the Lord. Now, um, what is the work of the Lord? It's seeing people, more and more of them, come to know the Lord Jesus. And that happens through the gospel being shared. So growth, it depends what you mean by that. I would mean we must be passionate for, for, for growth in that we want to see people who don't know the, the gospel and don't know Jesus come to know him. Um, and so, and, and in, just in Carlingford and North Rocks, there's some 80 odd thousand of them. Um, and so yeah. we might have maybe a thousand odd across a Sunday um, in our in our building here, um, somehow we need to accommodate the other eight, you know seventy nine thousand coming to Christ. Mm. Um, now, do they need a building? No, well, not necessarily. But it, do they help? Um, they give you a warm, dry place to, to reflect on the scriptures. Um, yeah. So yeah, we, we now the building's not going to last forever. Um, it too will pass in the sands of time. Um, St. Paul's is a great thing and has been for 150 years, but I'm sure there'll be a time where there is no St. Paul's mm. uh, unless the Lord Jesus returns and may, may he. Um, but what, what will never change is men and women need to hear the gospel. Mm. And uh, I think as much as we can, we're doing what we can to see more and more people um, meet the Lord Jesus because that's never in vain. Yeah, I like it. Keep it up. Mm. Um, Interesting question here. Uh, Sam, why are you talking like we are American? We are not a two-party system. There is more to Australian politics than Labor and Liberal. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, thank you. Um, I, I, I take it that's probably referring to a tiny little comment at the start of my sermon where I, I just made the passing uh, comment that both the Liberal Party and the Labor Party in their campaign material that I got like in a, in a flyer dropped in my letterbox from both parties basically said... Um, we know that Australians want to get ahead. And I just made mm. the point that if both major parties are um, using that in their campaign material, they've, they've got that, their market research has worked out that we as Australians want something. And what's yeah. that something? We want to get ahead. Mm. Um, that, is that me saying that I think that there's only two political parties in Australia? Um, 
if you heard that, um, please hear me say that I, I am well aware of the breadth. I, I also filled out the Senate paper, as you probably did, <laughs> and, uh, you know, marked them all, uh, you know, one to a thousand and five or whatever, how many there are. Um, I'm well aware of the breadth of the Australian polit- political spectrum. Uh, it was more a point about us rather than about politics. Yeah. Well said. We'll keep going. All right. We're going to have a bunch of questions now thinking about work, because that's the major thing we've been talking about. Um, and particularly about, I guess, our motivation in work. The Yeah, the question of working things wholeheartedly, that sort of thing. We're going to come up in a bunch of ways. So to kick that off, sort of straightforward question, why work? Mm-hmm. If many aspects of work seem to be or are meaningless, why should we work? Yeah, again, remember the word meaningless in the NIV means temporary and fleeting and passing. Um, so... As we work, we need to remember that, that, that much of what we do, you know, um, will be fleeting mm. um, and, and temporary. Um, I, I was, I've got a family member who's um, uh, in the building industry, uh, project management, and uh, one of the first projects that they managed has recently been demolished. Oh, wow. And uh, <laughs> yeah. I was reflecting with them recently, and they're just saying, it's so funny, you spent so many years of your life managing this thing into existence and making sure that it's all good and it's you know in, in the city somewhere and uh, as as with all things in the city they're, they're build, knocking them down to build bigger ones and mm. you, you start to think well was that time well spent well yes it was for the time it, mm. it, it, it served its purpose for a good 25 30 years um but now it's time to be knocked down and nothing lasts forever yeah um, and so um the, the, why work well a, a couple of reasons um Part of, that's part of the way God has made us, uh, that we, we're in this world. Uh, we, we, we derive our, our food and our um, shelter by, by working the, the, the ground and the creation. And so that's a good and proper thing for us to do while we live. Um, it's how we eat. It's how we shelter. Um, and it's part of what God has put human beings here on the world, on the earth to do and to improve the earth um, while it stands mm. uh, bit by bit. But know that the improvements you make, someone else will knock down and make make more um yeah. does that mean you just sit on the ground and do nothing no you just um you, you're here to work um and then you rest and then you work some more um it's, it's just part of the way that god's made the world and, it, and it's partly that we are his creatures mm. um he's the creator um we, we are his creatures and we work un, in in the places that he's put us yeah yeah. I take a part of the reason we ask the question is because we do have this desire for permanence. Like we, mm. I kind of, I think I would have naturally said like that's a modern thing. I don't know, like enlightenment or something. Like we sort of reach out and want to take hold of immortality for ourselves. But mm. I think Ecclesiastes reminded me, no, like God's put eternity in our hearts. It's, a, mm. it's an ancient thing. Mm. Um, and so we kind of think, well, if it's not going to last forever, what's the point? Mm. And that's exactly the kind of question that Ecclesiastes is exploring. Like, it's, mm. well, no, like it's 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 not like yeah, it's not like we only work for things that mm. will last forever because otherwise there's nothing to pour yourself into aside from the work of the Lord which we'll come to, isn't there? Yeah. I was, I was remembering, um, I had a, one of my kind of, you know, grandfathers in the Lord, so like a dear old man who um, I knew from a beach mission team. Um, his, his, he was retired when I knew him, but his, uh, his whole career, he'd worked as, as like a administrator of like systems of hospitals, like kind of mm. high up guy in the medical world. And he was just always kind of very conscious, Jack, like in, in the new creation, there's going to be no need for my entire line of work. is not going to exist. Hmm. Why would we need hospitals? Like, yeah. there's not going to be any sickness, there's no death, like everything that I did, like none of that's going to last forever. Like, yep. we're not going to need it. Yeah. Um, and yet he devoted his life to that because it helps people now. Like it Absolutely. contributes to human flourishing yep. in here and now. That's, that's why it matters. Yeah. And, and so work under the sun is good as long yeah. as you see it for what it is. It's, it's labor under the sun. Um, in fact, many, I mean, mo- many professions, um, most health professions, lawyers, uh, you don't, don't, won't need them in the new creation. Um, it's, very, it's very, like police officers, uh, you're not going to need them. It's basically um, just going to be gardeners, from what I think, if I'm yeah, reading yeah. Revelation 21, right? You know, yeah, yeah. City, you know, only people to sweep the gold streets or something, maybe not even that, I don't know. Anyway, yeah. yeah. Um, all right, we'll keep going. Uh, another person's asked, um, understanding that the Christians should work for the Lord, uh, what is the Christian's motivation to do that? What enables them to do it in the face of sin and the pressures of the world? We're over. Sorry, we, we're out, a bit out of order. This is question seventeen. Okay. Thank you, Sam. Thank you. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, motivation, I think, is is for the Lord. Um, th- there is the Christian's motivation that that you that you have an opportunity to honour the Lord Jesus in whatever it is that you turn your attention to. Um, and, and I take it that that can be in all different kinds of things. So, like, I mean, I think about my day today. Um, 
I mean, part of it I spent a little part of today preparing towards Sundays. So you mm. think, well, that's clearly something for the Lord. Uh, but then I also um, cleaned out a drawer, um, you know, because yeah, I, nice. yeah, I had some stuff that I needed to chuck out and uh, I can do that for the Lord too. Now, mm. does that actually, is that gospel advancing work? No, not really. Um, just needed to be done. Mm. And uh, yeah. So what does that look like? Like you say, you can do that for the Lord. Get us into your yeah, heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I think at that point, um, I... I didn't particularly want to do it. I've been, I, I, I've been <laughs> okay. asked yeah. by my wife to do it, and uh, yeah, you know, I um, did it faithfully because I knew it would be helpful for our mm. for our family life. Uh, we have somewhere to, now to you know put the things that we need to put them, mm. um, I, and I do it happily, gladly. Um, I did it well. I even gave it a wipe. You know, oh, wow. um, yeah. So now it's, it's yeah, yeah. There, there are. Um, yeah, so it, do, it does. It look like Lord Jesus now as I empty this drawer may you be honored and glorified like it's not it's it's just doing doing my job well mindful that had jesus asked me to to do this draw mm. i'd be doing it as well as if he'd asked me to do it yeah does that make sense that's a helpful little picture i think just that little snapshot yeah like it kind of sounds like a phrase that it does have this feeling of like this hyper spiritual yeah yeah, yeah and i don't want to take away from like like we are you know we live our lives before god like mm. we're always in communion with like yeah we can you know you you, you if you want, you could be doing that task, praying, you know, may this clean drawer be uh, for the good of our family, you know, may Lord mm. bless it, you know, like you, you can do that. Mm. Um, and yet the kind of the mundane things of, yeah, wanting, you know, seemingly mundane of doing this well, doing it cheerfully, like it's not actually mundane. Mm. Like there's a, there's a God honoring thing in the character we bring to those tasks as well. Mm. Yeah. Helpful. I think more of that will come out in the questions okay. that keep coming. So yep. Yep. We'll keep going. Um, a few more practical examples people are digging into. Mm. Someone's asked, um, what about doing the minimum at work? When mm. I worked part-time with young kids, this was my attitude so that I could pour more energy into home life. Mm. Thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, thanks. I think working at, working at it with your your whole heart, I think, is the language of, of Colossians, um, which I think is as opposed to doing it half-heartedly. Mm. Um Doing doing a, a, a half um, half hearted job, um, mm. and I think we've all seen when someone's done a half hearted job. Some, maybe you've done a half hearted job yourself. You just haven't done it very well. Um, a little bit like uh, I was sharing with you before, Jack. That um, you know, trying to train my kids to to clean up well after mm. after meals, and uh, you tell them, can you wipe the table? Um, there, there are two different ways they can approach that, which is option one, which is half-hearted, i.e. I made a chucks touch a surface of a table. Um, job done. Job yeah. done. Yeah. Or uh, the other one, which is actually I look at the table and I see where the mess is and, I'm, and I leave the table clean. Mm. Um, and the second one, I think, is the wholehearted one. The, mm. the second one is, well, I, they told me to wipe it and look, I've wiped it, you know? Like, yeah. th- there's, a, there's a difference there. And... Um, and I think that's what it's getting at, which is um, do do it to the best of your abilities. Um, do it, do your job, do it, go for a job well done uh, rather than a job half done. Yeah, if that makes sense. Does that mean you have to do all the jobs and work overtime and you know throw? No, I don't think it does. Mm. Uh, and I think you're you're very within your rights. At, you say, look, I'm just working a couple of days or a couple of hours even. Um, but while you're there for those couple of hours, do your best. Yeah. Um, don't don't do a half hearted job. Um, yeah, I think. Uh, it's good to want to have want to retain some energy for family, and mm. that, that's a that's a that's a noble thing. But don't um, don't rob your boss in order to yeah. yeah like do, while, while you're on the clock, um, work, work wholeheartedly for your boss. Yeah, I think that phrase "doing the minimum" is like complex in our mm. what I take is our current work environment, where in so many roles the expectation is like it's almost like there's no ceiling to what mm. work expects of you. Like doing the minimum is like oh I'm just gonna do the job that I was asked to do, and I'm not gonna check my emails all night and I'm not mm. going to come on weekends when I'm not told to like if that's just doing the, like doing the minimum is now like our phrase for as in just doing the job I was asked to do mm. which seems kind of crazy that that's where our culture's at like if that's what you mean by doing the minimum then yeah, yeah like do the work you've been asked to do and do it well and do it I think that's right like you know with yeah, with a smile on your face, like, and that's all the more complex now as, as work is increasingly in, in many contexts from home. Yeah. You know, that, that they've given you a work laptop and sent you home, and then you sort of feel this pressure to jump back on after dinner and do mm-hmm. a bit more. And um, yeah, so I think 
if, if by do the minimum you mean just do what's been asked of you great mm. do what's been asked of you don't yeah. you know don't feel compelled to work overtime you know necessarily yeah. um but don't in the in the hours that you're on the clock be scrolling facebook and yeah jumping on insta and just yeah, mucking around yeah well said okay how do we distinguish between working hard for god and working hard for us ourselves with our boss if i like my boss and my job can my hard work still be considered working hard for god or does that only apply to people who don't like their jobs? Uh, yeah, great question. Um, I, I think, yeah, it probably it's, it's more clearly seen when, when you don't like your boss. Um, mm. it's, you'd be like, well, even though I don't like you, I'm still going to work hard. But no, I yeah. don't think it, it means that if you enjoy what you do and you have a great relationship with your boss, um, that's great. Um, mm. But uh, don't leave Jesus out of the equation. Don't just work hard for the boss because you, you really like them. Um, work hard for them because you, you also have a master in heaven and mm. um, work for him yeah yeah where is, it? is it Colossians where it's like where it makes the distinction like work for a believing master like all the more because they're um, they're your brother in the Lord so they're benefiting from what you I, do or is that the Ephesians I version? think that might be the Ephesians version yeah. um, that's what I was about to say uh, let's have a look that here No, it's in that dead air. Yeah, don't know. Don't know. I'm just re- I'm quickly right reading Ephesians six. Um, uh, uh, I have to come back to you. I think. That's right. Yeah. If the, I, I think it says that somewhere in the Bible. Anyway, someone somewhere has said, and I guess the idea is that you know, if you if you like your boss and the boss is a Christian, it's, it's like it's not like that detracts from you working for the Lord. That's actually even better. Like yeah. you kind of get this double blessing because you can work hard for this person, knowing that your work actually benefits this person you love, yeah. and it's for the glory of the Lord Jesus. Like Correct. those things are going on. So yeah. Yeah, kind yeah. of value add rather than subtract, I think. Yeah. All right. I wonder if it's actually Philemon. Oh, yeah, that sounds like it could be right. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Anyway, it's anyway, neither Colossians nor Ephesians. <laughs> Someone should read Philemon and see well, if that's the case. Let's adapt your homework. Yeah. All right. <laughs> let's keep going. How do we balance the Ecclesiastes idea that we should hold work lightly, uh, kiss it as it flows past, you gave us that poetic mm. language, uh, with the Colossians idea of working with all your heart? Sure, we can work hard, Colossians, while we're at work, but not let it take over our life, Ecclesiastes. But that doesn't seem to meet with the idea of your heart. Doesn't working with all your heart mean being committed and dedicated and pouring yourself into it? Does that only apply to Christian work? Wow, so many bits. What's, yeah, yeah, what's going on there? Um, I think, again, it comes back to what does it mean to work with all your heart? And, and again, it depends on how, how you um, understand that little phrase. I think it is work wholeheartedly um, mm. I, as opposed to half-heartedly. Yeah. Um, so similar to the previous question. So, um, I, and I don't think it necessarily means pouring yourself and throwing yourself in and just being kind of the workaholic uh, person. Um, and I think it's worth saying that some people in ministry can be like that too. Mm. Um, workaholic, um, you know, that, that you can work wholeheartedly for the Lord, but uh, that's not the same as being workaholic for the Lord. Um, so that's, yeah. that's just worth, you know. And um, I think it's, I think we've got to be really careful on this in our culture, like how we hear this, because, I mean, the way this person's putting the question, doesn't working with your, all your heart mean being committed, dedicated, pouring yourself into mm. it? Like, I think... Not necessarily. Well, I was going to say, like, I think it could. Like, it depends what you mean by that. Yeah. Like, being committed and dedicated and pouring yourself into it. Like, yeah. that could be another way of saying not doing it half-heartedly. Like, I'm not going to just slack off in this. Like, no, I am committed to my boss. I'm dedicated to this task. I'm going to pour myself into a good job. Like, but, you know, an environment where, like, as we've already said, like, so much of the expectation is you're going to be on call, you know, ready to pick up the phone 24 yep. hours a day in this job. Yep. Yeah, at that point, that starts to sound problematic. So, yeah. I think we just got to be really careful how we hear that. Like, yes, be committed and dedicated to your job. But I don't think the Bible is asking you to work at your job with all of your time yeah. or with all of your energy. Yeah. Like you got to give some of that energy to other things. Yeah. It's working with all your heart in the time and with the energy that's right for you to be devoted to that in the context of a whole life where there's other responsibilities and you're also serving the saints at church and you're caring for your family and all those other things as well. Like, yeah. And the little phrase there is, um, let it take over your life is, mm. is, is in there. I mean, I... I I have to admit, I'm feeling a little bit of this at the moment, Jack, in that I am about to leave on long service leave and I'm about to have an eight-week holiday and I Mm. I genuinely can't remember the last time I've had that. And there is a part of me which knows that as I go away for eight weeks, a whole bunch of things that I do in my work, in my ministry work in particular, um, are not going to happen. And uh, there's sort of... um, 
yeah, there's going to be a bit of a gap and a void. And, and, and there's also a couple of things going on that, you know, it almost would be better for me to stay and, and mm. attend to them. You're leaving, um, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's, there's, it's going to feel a little bit painful for a little while while, mm. while I'm away. Um, and there's a little part of me which thinks maybe I shouldn't go. Maybe yeah. I should stay and attend to those things because these are really important mm. works of the Lord. But actually... I need to know, it, no, it can't take over my life. There's, there's a time to rest. In fact, we're going to see that um, yeah. this coming week. There's a time for everything. And it's, it's about to be time to rest. And, mm. and that's okay. Um, but that doesn't mean that I'm not committed and I don't give myself wholeheartedly to, to the things that I do in, in my labor, even my labor for the Lord. Mm. So, yeah. yeah, but I go away and take a great holiday. Yeah, enjoy. Well, well earned. All right, we got to get another couple of questions. They're kind of similar. We'll skip over a couple. We hope that that's helped you with that whole discussion, the, the few mm. variations. Yep. Um, Next one. Isn't there a difference between getting ahead and getting in front? For the former, getting ahead is improving or moving on from your current position in relation to yourself, whereas getting in front, that's in relation to others. Surely the Sydney game isn't confined to Sydney. Housing's a lot more expensive in Sydney, but the hedonic treadmill exists everywhere, surely. Uh, not sure where the question is there. Um, thank, thanks for the comment. Uh, maybe I'll take it in two parts. Um, Getting ahead, getting in front. I mean, at one level, those things can mean mean whatever you want them to mean. Mm. I, I more just meant the uh, the idea of grasping accumulation and trying to get more for myself. Um, if, if you want to draw distinctions in that, sure, um, that that's okay. Um, I, I think the the warning that Ecclesiastes is putting forward is the grasping accumulation, mm. the trying to put self first and and make something substantial, make a substantial impact by yourself in the world. Um, Ecclesiastes is saying that's a that's a doomed task. Yeah, and even in the categories of this question, you could do that either way. Like, I think if you so. just try and move on from your current position, you could do that because I want to gather as much as I can for myself, yep. or because I want to gather as much as I can to beat Fred over there and show him how great I am. Totally. Like, either but, way, you're going to die. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in the second one, um, of course, uh, of course, the hedonistic kind of worldview e- exists beyond Sydney. Um, well aware. Uh, I'm also preaching to people in Sydney, and so the, mm. the flock that that, I, that you and I, Pastor Jack, is here in Sydney, and there is a culture about this place. Um, but it's also worth noting that Sydney has some particularities. Um, they've mm. mentioned property. I mean, one of my good mates has just moved to Perth, and part of the reason he's moved to Perth is that he can buy a house for seven hundred and fifty thousand mm. um, dollars, as opposed to where he was living, where he wasn't going to get much change out of two million dollars. Yeah. Um, and uh, for him. He's like, well, if I do it here, I'll never see my family, all my kids, my wife, you know, I, I just, I'll be working all the time just to do that. Um, whereas I can go over there and I can finish, you know, and I go home happily. And now, does that mean Perth doesn't have its worldly, hedonistic uh, selfishness? Of course it does. But it's, it is a different city to, yeah. to, to Sydney. Um, are there other expensive property markets? Of course there are. We are here in this particular one, and part of my role as a pastor here is to talk to the Sydney siders and to the culture here and call us to um, think well about our life under the sun um, in light of Ecclesiastes. Yeah, and thank you. Thank you for that. Let's come on and think a bit, about, a bit about rest. You've already talked a bit about your, your holiday coming up. Uh, someone's mm-hmm. asked, what place does rest have in Colossians 3? What does the Bible say about overworking and burnout? A growing problem in our society. Jack, I, I have this memory that last time we, we tackled this one, I got up on a little bit of a soapbox. Yeah, um, you did. I don't know if I should get back up on it or not. But you can um, give us a quick reprise. Look, I, 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 my, <laughs> my, my, repri- my quick reprise would be, I feel like every time you make a comment about pushing yourself or, or working hard, this question comes in and people uh, always want to go, whoa, 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 what if I burn out? Um, and... Uh, and, and I think my, my short answer is the Bible actually doesn't say a lot about this. Um, it says uh, rest so that you can do some more work. That, that's a big part of the human existence is rest for a day so you can do six more mm. um, and then rest for some more and then do six days more. Like that's that's part of the, the, the cycle that, that God has made us in. Um, and, and there is a there is a great rest coming, the eternal eschatological rest. Um, yeah. That is where the time of joy and feasting and delight will be. But this life here is hard work and difficult. Mm. Um, uh, now, all of that is with. Uh, I think it's worth giving a caveat. There are genuine. Um, there there is a genuine uh, diagnosis of burnout, but it is a that is a like a medical condition, not just a I'm feeling really tired. And yeah. often, I think. What people mean is when they say, oh, I risk it being burnt out, it's just I'm a bit exhausted. And mm-hmm. I just want to say, welcome to life. Um, life is tiring, difficult, and hard. 
it is. I mean, that is the, that's what the teacher is, is discovering, isn't it? Yeah, all, all, all things are wearisome. Everything's wearisome, and even yeah. at night, your, your your mind doesn't rest. That, mm. that welcome to work. You know that that is just that is existence in this world, and a- anything you turn your attention to will will have that. I woke up this morning at five fifteen, worrying about something that's on my plate at the moment, and I could not get back to sleep. Um, mm. yeah. Does that mean I'm burned out? No, I'm just employed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there's yeah, my yeah. soapbox. Um, if you have a medical, con- if you are worried about the medical condition of burnout, you know where you literally cannot get up and cannot function, mm. please go and see your GP. Um, but otherwise, um, yeah, life is hard. Yeah, sorry. I know that sounds a bit heartless, Jack. Maybe, maybe I need a holiday and I'm, I'm a bit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll see what you say on the other <laughs> side. <of the laughs> like, yeah, it's a real issue. You got to go and take some more time off. Um. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe you're burnout right now. I didn't even know. It. I don't think you are. Yeah, don't worry. Yeah. All right. Um, another aspect of this, let's keep going. Uh, we work so we can eat, this person says, and mm. serve God and others, mm-hmm. but it will pass mm-hmm. unless we leave a legacy in God's kingdom. Mm. What then is the use of a hobby? Even Don Carson says he does woodwork as a hobby. This person says, I asked him one day how to decide how he balances his work for the kingdom versus his hobby, and he made it sound like it was obvious. Well, my wife's been sick lately, so I've not had time for a hobby. I hope again to have some time someday. What a mad flex. You, uh, I was chatting with Don Carson. Well, my answer comes from the time I was chatting with Charles Spurgeon. And, uh, oh! No. <laughs> um, if you chat to Don again, please, I'd love you to introduce me or something. You know, cook us up. That sounds like a good contact. No, it's anyway. great. Um, uh, <laughs> um, what's the use of a hobby? Um, use is an interesting word, isn't it? Um, mm. uh, what, do you, what do you gain under the sun? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, I think there is absolutely a place... Well, uh, for a hobby um, because this is the Genesis one so life here is great there's all these fun things to do if you can do some woodwork get on it like make a thing knit something sew something you know Mm. bake some cakes fantastic and you will find some satisfaction and some delight in them and even as the teacher explored pleasure do you remember that back in chapter 2 I think it was verse 9 and 10 his his reward was some delight in in his labour but he realised it was all fleeting so there is a temporary pleasure to be had, uh, chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, but it's not forever. Mm-hmm. And so uh, is, there, is there something good about a, a hobby? Yeah, because it'll make you glad and you can enjoy it. Great. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it plays into the rest thing as well. Um, like those things, I mean, we mentioned gardening thing before, you know, lots of people in our mm. knowledge economy who use their minds for work find it very restful to do something with their hands. Mm. Um, and so... Yeah, work and rest, they're interesting categories. Sometimes our work can be the thing that's recharging and energising, yeah, and that yeah, kind yeah. of rest. Like I find that when I wash the car, I feel great. Mm-hmm. There you go. Do you know what I mean? I just I yeah. feel so good. I stand back and I go, look at it, it looks great, mm-hmm. finally. You know, like... Yeah, I don't know, it's fine mowing the lawn. Like, mm-hmm. I get to the end of it, I'm like, my body aches. Like, this has been physically tiring. I have this hideous, like, um, dirt tan line where my socks mm-hmm. meet my leg, and yet, I'm just like, ah, oh, like, you know... Who does it look? Yeah, just like the, the fact that I've used my muscles instead of my brain for a bit it's just yeah kind of very mentally recharging anyway um mm. that's probably too much information um <laughs> but um the, sorry the point i'm trying to make is that those things like a hobby is something well, no one's not a hobby anyway what am i saying um if your hobby recharges you for your work that's a good thing mm. um if it's a distraction like you know if, like oh hobby, you know video games are my hobby and i like play 14 hours a day and struggle to fit in the rest of life like at that point, that's you know probably not a great thing. Um, mm. If your hobby is a distraction from yeah. the other good God glorifying things in your life, then it's a problem. But if it's an aid to them, if it re energizes you and recharges you to get back into the world to serve people, that's a great thing. Um, yeah. And I think that's the distinction that matters. I was reflecting a bit. Um, I was recently ordained as a presbyter in the Anglican Church, uh, um, an elder, and one of the things that we, you know, I made this solemn promise in the the service to, among other things, to be wholly devoted to the work of pastoring the flock and to um, abstain from all worldly preoccupations and pursuits is the language, something like that. Um, which kind of sounds like, you know, giving up all the hobbies. And we had a bit of a chat about it, those of us who are being ordained, like, what does that mean? And um, the kind of thing we got to is what we're saying here, that, yeah, if those things are a distraction from the work of shepherding Christ's flock, then put them away. But if it's an aid to it, if it is going to recharge you for that work, then that's a good thing. So I think that's the kind of distinction I try and... Mm. work with and if that helps you that's a good thing too very helpful yeah yeah. alright we're on the home stretch uh, a few questions to round us out thinking about the work of the Lord so we've right. thinking about working for the Lord the work of the Lord um, someone's asked I thought we didn't need to work to get into heaven from my understanding it's our faith in Jesus that will give us eternity 
But if work, serving God, serving the church, has eternal significance, doesn't this imply that we need to serve and do God's work to have a place in heaven? Yeah, thanks for this question. This is really helpful as a chance just to clarify and be really clear about what, what, what I mean and what I think 1 Corinthians 15 means. Um, it's not eternally The work of the Lord is not eternally significant for you. That is, that if you do it, it's, it's going to help your eternity. No, no, no. Um, that would be uh, that would be opposed to the to the grace of the gospel, right? Mm. Um, and, and that's perhaps what this question is kind of questioning. Okay, hang on, are you telling me I have to do something? No, 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 definitely not. Um, w- the work of the Lord is eternally significant to the one that you're doing it for, uh, yeah. to, to the one who's benefiting from it. Um, that is for me. Um, I, I was led to Christ uh, through a, a sermon that uh, someone preached, uh, and then some one-to-one follow-up by a different person. Uh, so that now. Um, uh, the person who prepared and, and, and preached that sermon on Ephesians chapter 2 um, I don't think they know that they led me to Christ mm. um, but their work their labour for the Lord had eternal consequences for me mm. they probably just were sitting in their study going okay this talk finished on Ephesians 2 um, <laughs> get, get it smashed out okay I'm ready to preach go yeah. off they go and then someone else came and followed up with me gave their Sunday afternoons to meet me read the Bible uh, for 6 or 7 weeks do some basic Bible studies with me uh, and, and to the point where I was like I'm a Christian now um, I trust the Lord Jesus. I, I He paid for all my sins. Um, uh, exactly, great. Mm. Um, both of those people did the work of the Lord. It hasn't made a difference to their eternity. Their eternity was already secured by the grace of God. It's made yeah. a difference to my eternity. Um, and now I want to use my time to make differences to other people's eternity. Yeah, that's so crucial and well clarified. Yeah. yeah. All right, we'll keep going. Uh, someone says, thank you, Sam, for the message today. It was a great message. There you go, some encouragement. Excellent. Um, on work for God and the work for the Lord, this person says, I see that they're not necessarily separated from each other. Uh, to work for God is a part of the work of God. And this person, it's a long message, they're going to give some examples, so to pick one of them. Um, so for example, the, the sharing of the good news, that's the work of the Lord. That can happen through you know daily interactions in your job, like with your fellow staff and your bosses and your customers, which is the work for the Lord. Um, yeah, how do we kind of hold those two things together if in some ways they can both yeah. be going on at the same time? I think they can overlap for sure. Like mm. you might go to work, um, your work as a, I don't know, an office worker um, somewhere and do, do that work, doing the spreadsheets, doing the reports, whatever it is that you're working on. Sounds so good. Um, <laughs> do, do it, do but do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Yeah. Um, do, do a great job. Do, mm. a, do a thorough spreadsheet. Do it to the best of your whole, wholeheartedly. Yeah, so that's the work for the Lord. Work for the Lord. But then, yeah. as you're chatting with someone at work, um, and you, you know, you get an opportunity to share the gospel, um, all of a sudden, you're, you're doing the work of the Lord. Now, the key there is that has the gospel been preached? Because I think that's what's at the heart of the work of the Lord is yeah. the is the message going out, um, or even something that is actually enabling the message to go out. Because mm. you know, like if, I mean, in a church context, you know, someone set up the chairs, right? Um, which actually isn't preaching the gospel, but it is helping the work of the Lord because if there's no one to sit, well, no one can listen to the work of the Lord, yeah. if that makes sense. So there are supporting things that enable that. But the, the two are... So go back to the office, though. Um, the spreadsheet thing, th- that's not the work of the Lord. That's yeah. that's work for the Lord. Mm. The conversation when we get into the, 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 the discipling moment or you know the, the evangelizing moment, that there's the work of the Lord. Yeah. Um, now... It's worth saying um, there are definitely great opportunities um, at work to do that. However, most of the time you're paid not to do that. You're paid to do the spreadsheet. Yeah. Um, uh, now, some forms of work, maybe if you're, uh, I don't know, uh, working in a construction site, you've got time mm. to work alongside someone, chat with them, um, you might have great opportunities to do them both simultaneously. Yeah, for That sure. could be excellent. Mm. Um, many places, however, increasingly, it's, it's actually really hard. Some places you're straight up not allowed to talk. Mm. You've you, you got to focus. Um or you know, or there's actually policies: do not evangelize in yeah. this kind of place. Mm. Um, you know, if you're, you're working in the manly rugby team, um, you know, it's, yeah. that's pretty clear <laughs> what what the view is. Um, so, you know, um, different different jobs, different situations. The the parenting one that was listed in the question, I don't think we read that one out, but um, yeah, you you can be changing a child's um, nappy or, or you know helping the kid with something and teaching them about the way that God loves them. Yeah. Um, and you can be doing those things simultaneously. So it a little bit depends on the job, uh, but I think they are two different tasks. One is just doing a normal task um, f- as if as if Jesus himself had told you to do it. Mm. The other is actually sharing something of the, the message of the, 
the gospel um, with eternal significance. Yeah, that's absolutely, they can go together and we'd encourage yep. you as you're out there in the workforce this way, those of you who yep. are out there, like, with, yeah, whatever opportunities come up, make the most of them. Yeah. For those who are, you know, young and figuring out the future, I think it's worth thinking through, you know, if this is one of those things you're pondering, like, I want to get in the workforce and be there sharing the gospel as much as I can, it's worth thinking through choose wisely the kind of role mm. that you look for because like as Sam said there's different places where it's more or less possible and chatting to people who have gone before you who are in, mm. in the workforce in different jobs might help you to get a sense of that but yeah yep. not all jobs are created equal in terms of the opportunities they provide for you to be sharing yep. Jesus with people yeah I mean just a personal story like I used to work a lot in cafes um, while I was you know going through uni and different stuff um, and as a fast you get all these little one minute interactions with people and you could just make a little dent um, mm. you know and, and say something you know, seasoned with salt but you couldn't really get through a gospel presentation with someone in the time that it took you to pour their flat white like yeah. it just there was a certain limitation to it and I was always just yearning for more time and so then to, you know I'd work in the cafe and speak to people all day but I then at night time we, at the church I was at there was an evangelistic course running and I took someone and I was like oh my gosh I get to sit for like an hour and a half and just have the long form conversation and I just was so grateful to be able to do the work of the Lord in that setting um, outside of the workplace. I was doing little bits and pieces of it in the workplace, but there was just a reality to the nature of my work that I was I was sort of limited in, in mm. what I could actually do there. Yeah. Um, still valuable, still good, still should do it, but yearning for a, a longer uh, opportunity to do it and so grateful to be involved in the work of the Lord outside of the workplace too. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Last one, uh, someone's given us a free kick for a bit of a plug. Uh, someone's asked... Uh, this may not be the time, but the new Next Steps prayer card that's recently been launched across our congregations is a good way of members stepping it up in the work of the Lord. I reckon this is the time. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Tell us all about it. Yeah, great, great um, kind of comment here. We, we do have this uh, new thing uh, which has been launched uh, in our growth groups. And if, if your growth group hasn't yet talked about it, just have a chat to your growth group leader and say, hey, where are the prayer cards? Mm. Um, but basically we've got these little... Uh, white cards, they small enough to fit inside your wallet or uh, whatever, and they've got space for five names of yours, uh, fr- friends that you've got who you um, are praying for, um, that you might be able to have an opportunity to share the gospel with them, and also a space for you to put down the name, five names of someone else's mates uh, that you can, during the week, pray for them that they might have an opportunity to share um, the gospel with those five people. And so you and your prayer buddy and your growth group actually are praying for each other and for your opportunities and then able to say hey Jack how are you going with person X you know how'd you go this mm. week did you get a chance yeah I did um, here's what happened keep praying you know mm. um, and, and that's a great way to pr- to, to pray and um, yeah get behind the work of the Lord in prayer it's a yeah. great thing so we commend that to you yeah, yeah. get into that in your growth groups yeah it's been a it's been a mammoth of an episode yeah um, we hope that's been helpful for you wrestling through one of the things that makes up a huge chunk of our lives as we mm. work in all sorts of contexts, whether in the workplace or in the home. Uh, we hope it's been helpful for you thinking about wrestling with a world where things are not permanent mm. and yet knowing that we've been given a work which is not in vain, the work of the Lord. Yeah, Praying that that'll be helpful for you as you think through work this week. Uh, and we're going to leave it there for today. Looking forward to Ecclesiastes 3, which we've already given you a bit of a hint at. Uh, mm. And we will catch you then on Sunday. So God bless you then. Farewell. See you later.